Hey everyone, and welcome to Scrambling with Dylan Otto, a podcast where the listeners can hear, learn, and laugh about my life in the golf world and other numerous topics with guests on the show. Tune in every week for insight and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Scrambling with Dylan Otto. This week we have a very special guest, a very elite golf instructor that works with players on numerous tours, including the PJ Tour, LPJ Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, and numerous high-level college programs. Please welcome Chris Mason. Chris, welcome. Thanks so much for having me on, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that we're able to do this, man, and kind of get to know you and stuff. And I've been kind of following you on Instagram for a while now, and uh, it's really cool to finally meet you. So super excited. Um, so kind of talk about first question is, where are you from and how'd you get into the game of golf? Uh, originally from England, as you can probably tell from the accent, although I, I get yeah. Australian because I've been in America for half my life. So everybody thinks I'm Australian now. Oh, I see. But okay. Originally from England. Um, I was fortunate enough to, um, I played a lot of golf and other sports when I was uh, in England at school. There, I went to a private all boys school. So um, got into golf a little bit later and then had quite a bit of success um, quite early, probably 15, 16, and got on the um, English team there. Nice. And I'm um, Paul Casey and Luke Donald were the number one and two players in America at the time, NCAA. Uh-huh. So all the American college coaches were coming over to England to try and find the next Luke Donald. And <laughs> I was the only. I was the only one on the England team that wanted to come over to America and play college golf here. So I was very lucky. I got recruited to a bunch of different um, places in America, um, different really good colleges like Stanford and Northwestern and North Carolina, Tennessee, some really good ones. And um, ended up um, choosing Purdue in Indiana. Had a great time. I was really good academic school. And, um, we were a really good golf team while I was there too. So we had some good success and, um yeah so came from england and, and ended up somehow in indiana playing college golf yeah hey i mean it's it's funny because um I, I on my junior college team i played at where i'm currently at um we had a lot of guys from england scotland australia and everything so i mean that process i mean just going to um just coming to america and playing golf i mean that that's a big step and you're coming to the united states you don't really know anybody i mean i i really applaud for people that do that man so a lot of respect for you for doing that and you think you have this like preconceived idea of America too. And you Uh think it's like Disney world in Florida and, you know, California on the beach and then (laughs) up in Indiana and it's, and it's freezing cold and blowing 40 miles an hour. And, um, you know, it's just not quite what you saw on safe by the belts. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Bit of a culture shock, but, and I'm sure like, uh, like we don't really know what we're getting into when you, America is such a vast and huge country with so many different cultures and weather and, and foods and people and religions. Um, you just don't know what you're getting into, really, coming from England or Scotland. So I was very fortunate. I, I really liked going to Purdue. I really liked my coaches there. I uh, met my wife there. So I had some great friends. Uh, it, was, it was a great decision that um, really shaped and formed my, uh, my life's direction. That's awesome, man. That's, that's so great. I'm glad that, I'm glad that it all worked out and everything. It's not like, uh, you came here and you were like, ah, forget this. So, um, you stuck it out and it seemed like you had a great time and you, like you said, you met your wife. So it's really special to have that. Um, so you play college golf and everything kind of, what was the path after college golf? Had you wanted to play pro golf or, uh, how'd you get kind of, or did you kind of get straight into teaching straight away? 
You know, it's uh, my my journey is very similar to a lot of um, coaches. I think I when I was a junior, the academics were really important to me. That's why I chose Purdue. And then as I got into um, you know through university, I I, I feel like I was one of the best juniors in the world. I didn't quite become one of the best college players in the country. I was a, I was a top player and and had some really good results, but um, wasn't like highly ranked. I was probably I think my junior year, like 70th in the, in the country, my senior year, probably a hundredth. I always felt like I needed to be a top 20 player, but I graduated and felt like I could improve a lot. I had a really good summer my senior year and qualified for US Amateur, did well and finished awesome. getting sixth. Wow. It's an amateur. So I had a good, um, a good amateur career and, and decided to move out to California and turn professional. So I played professionally from the ages of 22 to 26 when I hurt my back and then mm back from an injury and I just wasn't quite playing the same and just was finding it very difficult spending a lot of money not having a ton of success and um and just decided it wasn't like I wasn't quite making the right direction and it's funny I um I, ha- I always had a pretty good eye for the swing and even then like you know there's no slow-mo iPhones or anything like that right. like you guys yeah. have it's funny. I, I mean, I got injured and, and somewhat stopped. And there was a guy at um, the country club that I was working at um, that he hired me to do some um, day trading. So I actually got into day trading um, oh, okay. probably for a year. The timing was terrible. It was like 2007. There was a oh, financial yeah. crash. No way. Mm-hmm. So to get um, stopped trading at that point was just, it was an absolute disaster, to be honest. The timing was terrible. But while I was doing that, I would go down to the range in my board shorts and flip flops in the afternoon in San Diego. And, and I would just sit down and teach these mini tall guys. You know, I'd do a couple hours a day and just absolutely loved it. And then back from the country club would start coming. And before I knew it, I was doing 20 hours a week at this local driving range. Great. Um, And absolutely loved it. I would have done it for free. (laughs) Um, Making a little money on the side. And then I just became, um, I don't want to say popular, but um, I got got so busy that I stopped doing the day trading and luckily um, got a job at uh, La Costa Resort and Spa. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Um, started the La Costa Golf Academy there with, with a good friend of mine, T.R. Merritt. And um, yeah, it went really well. I, I just I started teaching some of the best juniors in San Diego. Um, some the many tall guys stayed with me and I had a pretty good following and crew and I kind of cut my teeth on on those guys and they had. Um, quite a bit of success so then more juniors started to come and I was at the Costa for uh, I think uh, three years four years maybe and then um, got recruited to start up the Madeira Golf Academy um, which is in Poway which which I'm still there been 11 years now it's um, it's just a really great facility out there. Awesome yeah, I mean congratulations on that I know I went and played Madeira's uh, the, like a year ago during uh, I think I believe it was Christmas break and stuff and I just knew I was like like this is where Chris Mason teaches out of like, it's so cool. Like, I was hitting balls on the range and on the other end of the range, you, your whole setup's over there, you know, your, your big open, your big warehouse and everything. That's so cool, man. That's such a really cool story that you have. Um, kind of talk about you, you had some mini tour players and juniors that you're working at, or that you're working with at the beginning, kind of who were those players and kind of where have they progressed now? So um, there was a chap called David Bradshaw. Um, I used to have the same agent as him, so he would come and um, kind of be my protege out at um, out at La Costa. He'd like me try a bunch of stuff on him that I, I would never do now, but you know, I mixed up some stuff, and, and it worked out very well for him. He's 
he Monday qualified probably into um, seven or eight PGA Tour events. Oh, wow. Uh, he's won two Canadian Tour events. So he's, he's had a really, um, really good career. Yeah. Um, without so, um, there was a young man called Stephen Kearney, um, who was in, uh, probably the best player in San Diego at the time. He ended up going to Stanford on a golf scholarship and uh -huh. graduated. And then a chap called Mike Dunsmore. Those are my kind of my three original crew guys. Um, yeah, he was playing a mini tours and was trying to get on the Champions Tour. He used to caddy, actually used to caddy on the PGA Tour for Larry Mize and Scott Simpson. Um, oh, yeah. And then decided to play professionally. So those were my like three original crew. Mm -hmm. And then um, Stephen started doing so well and David was doing so well that um, other players would just would come and follow. And um, actually, there was a young man, uh, Travis Simsby, who I started teaching. Yeah. Um, about 12 or 13. Um, and then Trevor ended up going to Washington on a on a golf scholarship and uh, turned pro recently, just won the Malaysian Open and played in the World Golf Championship a couple of weeks ago. So um, I've must have been working with Trevor for 12 or 13 years now. So it's, um, it's, it's incredible to see these guys who, um, you know, I've been teaching from 12, 13, 14, just progress and move up into the college ranks and then, um, you know, helping them turn pro and, and try and make it to the big leagues. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's, it's so cool. Like you said, you were able to work with Trevor since he was, you know, 12 or 13 years old and see him progress throughout kind of his whole younger career and everything. I think that's so cool. And uh, that's, that's a high level player, not only him, but a lot of players that you do have. Um, so as you stated on your website in numerous videos, you work with high level players on the PGA tour, LVGA tour, corn fair tour, top AJGA players and high level college players in all divisions. Um, kind of go through some of your notables that you currently have that you're working with right now. I know you you're at the players right now. Kind of talk about the, you know, player you are working with there and stuff. Yeah. So um, on the PGA tour, currently got Brendan Steele, uh, Scott Piercy and KH Lee, Kyung Hoon Lee, Korean chap. Yeah. And then um, on the LPGA, I've got 11 players. Um, notable names would probably be Ari Jutanaga and Moria, um, Yulu, Yanni Sang, Green de la Cour, um, IK Kim. So some um, I'm really great players. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to be around. Like all the players I've currently got on, on both the major tours are just really terrific people. And I really enjoy being around them. Mm -hmm. um, they're not too big of a pain in the ass. So. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> so, you know, you're spending a lot of time with these people. So, you know, it's, it's very important you get on personally. Um, and, and obviously professionally, if things are going well and they're playing well, then that makes things much better. So, um, yeah. And then in the college ranks, some um, top college players like Ricky Castillo, who's going to just be named to the Walker Cup team. And yep. Devin who is the U.S. amateur runner-up? Um, he just won. He just won the San Diego tournament yesterday. So yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, and Steve Sugimoto, who you've had on. Steve, um, let's go. <laughs> legend. So yeah, it's been a good crew, and um, you know, it's it's very rewarding, and I, I just love my job when I see these guys move from the juniors into these these dream colleges, and um, you know, kind of form into I like you're doing at the moment, trying to figure out um life and what it is that you want to do and, and yeah. through golf like it really opens up these amazing opportunities so it's just nice to be a small part of these people's journey some sometimes i'm a big part sometimes a small part but i just appreciate them um them coming to me and uh, trusting trusting them, me with their game
Yeah. So, I mean, that's so nice. It's something that you love doing. And I think that's really ultimately what everybody wants to do is you want to do something that you love. And like you said, to be a part of whether a a little part or a big part of their success, whatever it may be. I mean, just to know that you're a part of their journey and everything. That's so special, man. That's so cool. Um, so you kind of, you, you travel a lot with your players and you're based out of the Madeira's golf course and everything. Kind of talk about what do you have to offer these elite, uh, players kind of go through your way of teaching and what style you shape your players into. Um, I, I wouldn't say like, there's a lot of method teachers out there who are following models. That's not, that's not my style at all. I pride myself on being able to, to teach anybody. I, I think, um, you know, if you just looked at my my professional players, it would be a, sort of a good indication of how I how I teach. Like Scott Pierce, he's got a ten finger grip, and yep, yeah. he slides club up and rotates and hits a fade every time. Um, Brendan Steele's got a really really strong grip, um, probably the strongest I've ever seen, and but he can shape it both ways and and can hit a draw and likes to hit a draw. Um, and KH Lee, he's got one of the most textbook swings you've seen. So. Yeah. I pride myself. I feel like I can help anybody with any grip, with any arm height, like, um, and and kind of pick the low hanging fruit, as it were, mm-hmm. and make anybody better. Um, whether that's through improving their technique or improving their mental processes, improving their performance practice. Like, I feel like I um, am in a good position to be able to help anybody of any level in any part of the game. Um, my background mainly is in psychology. So I, I studied psychology and got a major of psychology at Purdue and then um, did my master's in sports counseling. So it's been very good. Nice. Uh, I've gone very deep with the mental game and the performance side. So um, I would say not that that's where my expertise are, but I think that would be more of a differentiator for me um, compared to maybe other. So um, I have preferences that I like to see in my swings. Um, but it's certainly not um, moving towards um, a model. Um, I'm not a P1, P2 guy. Yeah. Um, but I talk the language if I need to. <laughs> yeah, of course. And and like you said, you know, you kind of you're able to differentiate yourself with having that psychology background and everything, and and kind of your the what you got your degrees in, and you're able to get into the mental side of golf because that's such a big part of it. And that's that's awesome that you have the schooling and education, you know, to back that up not only with your all your knowledge you know about the swing but also with the mental game as well i think that's great that you offer that um so i think it's very different like college players and juniors like they can get lost especially mini tour players like they're trying so hard um to get on tour or to shoot a score and like the easiest thing is to drop back and look at the technical aspect like what is it that i'm doing technically that's wrong but like you could pick up the top 20 players in the world and you could argue only maybe Adam Scott and, and potentially Justin Rose have got what we would consider textbook golf swings. Like everybody else has got sort of little, little um, idiosyncrasies that make their swing work for them. Like like DJ's, DJ's got a weird move, Zander, um, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas's arm, arm gets up, like, everybody's got little weird moves that makes them move their own. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to be the best version of, of themselves. They understand their tendencies. They understand how to practice. Um, they're not overly concerned with how it looks. Um, that's the majority of the great players that I've been around. They, they really are not interested in how this one looks particularly. 
um, just how the how it functions, and then can they hit the shots that they're trying to to hit? Can like Piercy just loves to hit the fade the whole time, but he can flight it down, and he's great at doing his wedges. Like um, Brendan likes to um, flight it and hit different shapes and different um, bin rates into wins, and um, you know KH loves to just basically hit a draw or a straight shot, but he can hit a fade if he needs to. Like. These players are really, really good at understanding what weapons they need in order to shoot a low score. And rarely is it is it technical work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, from what it sounds like that, you know, they're, they're playing their game, they're swinging their swing, you know. I know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of golfers I've played with and stuff, you know, they want to they wanna have like Adam Scott swing or they want to have this, you know, but at the end of the day, you kind of want to, whatever your swing is, I mean, kind of make it your own. And like you said, play to your strengths and stuff. I mean, that's, that's the ultimately what you need to do for sure. That's, that's really, really great advice for anybody out there listening for the podcast. It's lost is the skill development. Like, like people need to think about how to develop these skills of, of having a shot that doesn't go to the left or having a shot that doesn't go to the right. Can you light it down when you need to? Do you have a club where you can always find the fairway? Have you, got your distance wedges dialed in where you can change the flights and the spin rates um you know it's do you know your numbers perfectly with each club like a lot of these these players just focus so hard on the technical aspect they're not developing their skills in order to have the weapons in order to take the course apart yeah exactly that's great advice that is such great knowledge right there and like i said not just for high level players but for anybody out there listening i mean just you got to you got to stick to to your strengths and to your swing and i mean you don't want to i mean of course you want to be you want to have this amazing swing like everybody has you know and i think like you said that's kind of a loss kind of a loss trait that everybody is wanting to swing like everybody else and you know you look at like adam scott like we were saying for example and he's got a great looking swing but there's so much in golf today that's not really traditional anymore if you know what i mean and um yeah i think that's great, great knowledge that you have right there. Um, so kind of going back to your at Madeira's Golf Academy and everything, kind of talk about the gear that you guys have over there with whenever you work with your players, kind of you have, um, you know, certain software or technology that you like to use. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm pretty simple. Like we've been talking about trying to um, build a performance center there. It's um, yeah. been different with COVID, but um, obviously if... I had a performance center, I'd have a lot more techie stuff. At the moment, it's um, we're just back at the range with no electricity. So I have a TrackMan, I have a Capto, um, have an iPad, um, just the normal um, somewhat analysis um, in the process of getting a um, four-side quad that I can take on the course and use a short game. So I feel with the TrackMan um, on the range and then the quad for on the course and the short game and then the Capto for the putting, I pretty much got all the... Um, all the areas covered um, from a, um, a gizmo side, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm trying to figure out like what fits in and what's going to make me a better coach. Um, a lot of the times we get these, um, we get all this um, computer gadgets, and it ends up just being a little bit too much fluff, and the players get into the numbers and they get yeah, into exactly and things like that. Really, all this stuff is for the coach to make informed measured decisions um that are going to improve the player more rapidly so um it's more it should be more for the coach and less for the player we're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors yeah i i I couldn't agree more there's 
I, I've just met a couple players on previous teams that I played on and yeah, they get so caught up in the numbers and it's like, at the end of the day, you just got to swing the club and if it's going good, it's going good. You know what I mean? Like, and just kind of go from there and you don't want to get caught up in the numbers so much because even though kind of that's where the game of golf going is that technology based stuff and everything, but at the end of the day, you just got to swing the club and if it's going good, it's going good. You know what I mean? So yeah. My son's just started playing. He's been playing probably for a year now. He's only 12, just turned 12, um, which has got me sort of out of retirement. I basically hadn't played golf for the best part of 14 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I just wasn't particularly interested in doing it on my day off. And then when I played, I didn't play very well. But now he really wants to get good and he wants to play, which means I'm playing with him more as well. So interesting, like I don't have time to change my swing. Mm -hmm. So I'm basically, and, and this sounds kind of caveman-esque, but I'm basically just trying to do three things. Number one, can I hit the ball solidly? Which <laughs> yeah. sounds, just hey. hit every shot. Yeah. Okay. Number two, if I do hit it solid, does it have a consistent start line and, and shape so that I know where the ball's not going to go, which is right. actually more important knowing where it's going to go. And then number three, now that I've hit it solid, it's got the same shape. Do I know how far it's going? I mean, it's three really, really basic things that I think if people um, gave a little bit more attention to, it would improve their game a lot because the number of times you're just focusing on the technical part and how it looks, and then you're clanking it and thinning it and fattening it. I mean, at that point, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, if you focus on him, it's solid, and, and you know where the ball's not going to go, and then you can figure out your numbers from there, and it's it's um, not that it's changed my teaching, but it's given me like a little bit more of a wide-eyed look at the big picture of the game now that I'm working on my own game. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's been very helpful. Story, I remember, um, that's probably 10 years ago now, but the last time Freddie Couples was leading the Masters and they had to play, I think it was like 30 holes on Sunday. And he's oh. leading after 54 holes and they hammer in his face after, after 54, after he walks off 18 and I said, Freddie, you're in the lead again. You're 42 years old or whatever you are. And what an incredible story this is. What are you going to focus on this afternoon? And he goes, he goes, I'm just going to try and hit it solid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the great is of all time. And all he's focused on is trying to hit the ball solid. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Freddie Couples, one of the smoothest swings in golf. And like you're saying, he just wants to hit it solid. And I mean, think. I mean, you're absolutely right. That's got to be one of the main things that people should really focus on is, yeah, trying to hit it solid, seeing where it goes and kind of managing distance and everything. Those are three great things. And listeners out there, just focus on hitting it solid. That's all I try and focus on. I just want to hit it solid and decently straight. So uh, I completely agree with you, man. Um, so you kind of, you're like I, we said, you're at the players right now with the players that you're working on with there. I just would like to wonder how often do you travel to tournaments and work with your elite players on the course and prep them for a tournament? Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm probably on the road 20 weeks a year, probably 12 weeks for the PGA, eight for the LPGA. Okay. Um, the, the men want me out there a bit more than the women, the women. Um, it's funny. I teach 10 or 11 players on the LPGA now. And I think only two, like want to do stuff during the week. They all want to do stuff during the off week. That's their preference. Oh. The guys are a little different. Like they, they like to do stuff in the off week, but they also like to have me there too, um, mm -hmm. just a little bit of polish and fine tuning. So 
I really enjoy the travel a lot. Um, obviously, I miss my family, but I like the restaurant life and the hotel life. And um, I enjoy being on tour. There's such a great buzz um, about being out here. Um, and it just it keeps my sort of daily routine fresh. And, and then I can go back to Madeira, and I'm really excited to be there. So that's good. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're so excited to go on tour and everything. I mean, that's that would be a dream thing for me to just be a part of, like you said, be a little bit a part of somebody's success on the PGA Tour, traveling, doing that kind of life is be so cool. And like you said, you're able to go back to Madeira's, you know, you kind of have your weeks off where you're away from it and you get back and you can't wait to get working with your players there in person. So I think that's great. And um, so kind of talk about what did the prep look like going into the 2021 players this week? Talk about the process and kind of when did you get to the tournament? When did you start working with the players? Kind of how does the week look like for you? Yeah, it's um, it's not that it's all new for me, but for a long time, um, I just worked with Brendan. Uh, I've been working with him for about seven or eight years now. So a lot of the time I was just there and focused on him the whole day. Um, just recent, I've been working with Cage about four years and then um, Scott Piercy now for about uh, six months. So like managing three players and their schedules has been um, sort of an interesting process so far. Um, but I basically I flew all day Monday, um, got in Monday night, uh, got up really early Tuesday to do the testing, which is a real pain in the butt right now. <laughs> it's such, I, I've got to wait around for an hour and a half to get the results. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's basically a conversation between each guy and, and what their needs are, how they feel about the game, like what um, value they want me to add. Um, you know, so this week, um, uh, Cage is coming off a missed cut, even though he, he finished second in Phoenix a few weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. So his game's been really good, but he missed the cut. So he wants to do a little bit more swing work. Um, with Brendan, um, it was just a little bit more polished. He's been playing really well. Uh, he's basically, I think he's finished no worse than like 38th in the last six events. Yeah. So he's really had a good start to the year. He knows his game's good. So for him, it's just more about sort of managing um, the emotions and the time. And I'll go in there and put a structure for his practice together as to like how many, how many, um, what kind of putting drills he's going to do, what short game drills we're going to do. Um, what we're looking for in terms of the ball flight, um, getting different numbers on the golf course, like checking wind and, and um, firmness of the greens, things like that. Um, and then Scott's been playing nicely. He, um, he's been swinging and chipping it great. I'm, I, he has another guy who does his putting. And if his putting starts turning around, I expect him to have, have uh, some really good results. So um, a lot of it was just polished, to be honest. Um, basically, would be I basically worked with each player probably two hours each day, um, all day Tuesday, and then two hours uh, all day Wednesday. So um, it was a really productive day and um, a couple of days, and uh, you know they're hit, they're all hitting it great. So <laughs> it becomes a little bit of uh, less stressful. It's yeah, um, you know, of course, your players are hitting it great, like you're grinding a little bit on the range. Um, luckily, that that doesn't happen to me a ton. Um, usually, it's uh, getting the putts to blow. If, if the putts is working for my boys, then usually they're playing pretty good. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's so cool. That I mean, any tournament you're able to go to is so special. But the players is one of. I mean, it's not a major, but it's got to be one of the biggest tournaments that's not a major. So, I mean, that's. I mean, what's the atmosphere like out of players and everything? I mean, what? I mean, kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I tell you, Dylan, it's it's. 
a very close second behind the Masters. The Masters has its own aura and it's, I mean, it's just heaven on earth as a golfer and as a golf coach to be able to stand on that range um, where you've watched people hit it for years, decades. Years. And to be able to be a part of standing on the range and watch your player hit it on, on that range and, and do the putting work, it's, I mean, it's just an unbelievable experience. And, um, you know, I remember with, with Devin Bling, I was there with him in 2019. And, yeah. you know, I sat in the putting green with him, um, getting ready for his first tee shot on Thursday. And, you know, Tiger, Tiger Woods walks on and he's, he's got the same tee time. Like, I think he's like two, two groups behind him. He's putting right next to us, right? And I'm yeah. standing there on the green and Devin's freaking out. And we're just having this incredible moment right before he tees off. And, and he, I mean, Devin nearly fell over and I pushed him to the first tee and he just striped it on the first tee. It was Let's go. <laughs> moment. I mean, tomahawk this thing. I mean, it must have, must have been 50 by his playing partners. He hit it so good. That's awesome. Um, Anyway, the Masters, that's, a, that's another, another conversation altogether. But I do tell my friend, the players is, is a close second. It's, the golf course is incredible. I love the design. I think it's, it's so unique and so well done. Um, the practice facility is probably the best practice facility that we're at all year. They've got a double-sided range with, with multiple um, greens. And you can go to the back range and not be bothered by the crowd so much. Um, and it's just really great facility. And then the atmosphere there, um, I mean, it's really, I mean, just terrific. They're, everybody's there having a good time. Obviously, you've got the, the, the stadiums around the course and then the stadium amphitheater on 16 and 17. Um, they do concerts, you know, obviously not this year, but they do concerts usually on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday too. And mm-hmm. uh, really, if anybody has the opportunity listening to go, like I highly recommend going to the players. It's, it's, you can see lots of golf um, and it's really a terrific experience. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love hearing, I mean, I love just hearing anybody that gets to be inside the ropes at a tournament like that. And just, just hearing the stuff that you have, man, that's so awesome. I would love to go to a big tournament like that. And like you said, that's gotta be such, that's gotta be one of the best feelings when you're standing on that range as a golf coach and you're working with your player that's on the PGA tour. And you're like, you know, this is pretty surreal moment. Like that's pretty proud moment for you. So I congratulate you on that, man. That is so awesome. Um, so kind of talk about you, you, you know, you'd go to events on the PGA tour and everything. How does it compare to an LPGA tour event? You know, kind of, I mean, they got to be just amazing as well. Kind of talk about the weeks that you've been on the LPGA tour as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, obviously it's not quite the same um, feeling and atmosphere just because they don't draw quite the same crowds. And then obviously the crowds on the PGA tour are a little bit more boisterous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a younger crowd, um, you know, guys, are, it's a bigger crowd, obviously, um, maybe less um, golf fans, I would say, um, and more people there for the entertainment. So um, certainly more boisterous on the LPGA. Um, they get some good crowds at some of the events, um, but I would say it's more of a um, little bit more of an older um, demographic, um, very knowledgeable about golf, um, very knowledgeable about the players too, who, with there so um you know it's a great the lpga obviously is a great experience too and i I really enjoy being out there as well um um, but you know it's it's just not it's not quite the same atmosphere and um that's okay 
um, but it's it's um, the golf courses are usually pretty good. Um, it's a little bit more of a casual experience, so not casual, but um, it's easier to get around. Like, you yeah. can, as a coach, as weird as this is, but like the traffic's not as bad. Like getting into a PGA Tour event sometimes as a coach is really difficult. Like the traffic's bad. They don't park you that close. You've got to walk in. Like sometimes there's no food for you. Like it's actually going to be quite difficult unless you're driving in with one of your players. Right. Um, Got it. Um, but like, I mean, the LPGA is like usually a lot more convenient. You can park closer and you can have a little bit more access to, to your players and get a little bit more done. So that's, that's nice. Exactly. Yeah. That's I, I just, like a, once again, I love hearing people like to be inside the ropes, not only on PJ tour, but LPGA tour as well. Cause that's an, that's an amazing tour. You got the best ladies in the world and you work with some of the best ladies in the world and everything. I think that's great. Um, so I, the next question here I have for you, what are some of the goals that you have that you'd like to achieve in the next five, eight, maybe even 10 years for kind of your teaching and players that you have? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for my players' goals. Like, I think most of them, I mean, they have obviously different levels of goals as to how, um, how good they are. But like in terms of my goal, like it's very important to me that I keep learning and growing and becoming a, a better coach than I am. I know, and I'm so grateful to the players that have trusted me um, with their careers and their games. Um, but I, I know I can be a better coach. So for me, it's it's not so much about achieving anything in particular as it is um, growing myself and becoming the best version of me that I can be yeah. and constantly preaching to my players about being the best version of themselves. That's mentally and physically and technically and, um, you know, getting the club style, like, are they doing the right things every day in order to be the best version of themselves, like spiritually and, and emotionally and, and mentally and, um, so I'm just trying to walk that walk myself, which means taking care of my body, taking care of my mind, and then just learning as, as much as I can. And I, I feel like I've been very fortunate at my age to be to have the players um, be as successful as they've been. Um, but, but having players successful is not necessarily um, me growing. It looks great for me as a coach, but I'm more interested in me growing as a human and me growing as a coach and being the best I can be. And I know if I do those little things every day and throughout um, throughout the month, it will add up and, and I'll be a better coach and that will mean leading to better results for my players and, and going on and teaching hopefully um, you know the best players in the world. Yeah, I think that's those are some great great things that I mean like you said you want to you want to grow as a coach as well but at the end of the day I mean you're a player base kind of part of the industry so you really want to be the best you can for your players and that's great man I, that's that's so great for you and I, I'm sure you're going to do that and you're going to continue to be one of the better instructors out there and uh, so just kind of heading into the last kind of part of the podcast I like to do I have some for fun questions for you um, so out of all the swings and players you've worked with, who has one of the purest swings you've ever seen? <laughs> um, I would say, uh, oh, to the top of my head, I would say um, uh, I worked with Anne Van Dam. She's obviously got a great move. Yanni Singh is up there. Um, one of the girls I worked with today, Yu Lu, I, I absolutely love her swing. Um, there's a chap who I teach at the moment at USC. His name's Tyler Gua. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He's really got a, a great move. I love his move too. Um, Eric Doyle, he's on his way to Oregon. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sure I'm missing some guys out here, but um, uh, yeah, so those like those would um, kind of come into immediately to my to my mind. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, I know a lot, I mean, just a decent amount of those players just by on Instagram and stuff. And yeah, they do have some really great swings and that's great. You're able to work with them. Um, what's been your favorite moment you've ever experienced since teaching? I know you talked about the masters with Devin Bling and stuff. I mean, what is that a potential or what, what's kind of your favorite moment you've experienced? For sure. I, I've, I mean, I've been so, so incredibly fortunate with, with some of these experiences that I've had. I, um, you know, a couple just just leap out to me. Obviously, the first time I ever caddied on the PGA Tour was for Brendan Steele, and he won. Awesome. Um, Let's go. <laughs> not sure I'll ever beat that as an experience. Um, just because, like, he's a good friend of mine. I've taught, I've taught him now for seven or eight years, and to be on the bag and then have have a guy who you who you love and and respect and put a lot of time into, like see firsthand how you get it done under that stress and pressure of winning a PGH tour event. Um, I mean, that's, that's probably as good as it's going to get for me. Um, obviously Devin, I've taught Devin since he was 14. Um, obviously seeing him play in the masters, he had a hole in one on yeah. the par three test yeah. on Wednesday. I, I must've leaped 20 feet in the air. So <laughs> that was amazing. Um, I got to go to the US Open last year with Ricky Castillo, who I've taught since he was 13. Um, and then one other occasion, um, I'll never forget, it was my first ladies major. Um, I was at the A&A in California with uh, IK oh, yeah. Kim. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I tell this story a lot, but um, I had a moment where I'm watching IK hit balls and to the left of me was Jim McLean with... Uh, Lexi Thompson, who's oh, yeah. obviously very, yeah. And to right was David Ledbetter with um, Michelle Wee, wow. and do uh, remember I'm 28, I think at the time, 29, watching a top five player in the world that I teach at balls next to Lexi Thompson, yeah, and Michelle Wee, and then I'm flanked by two mega, mega coaches the mega coaches in David Ledbetter and Jim McLean. And I, I just had, it was just sort of one of those like, wow, like this feels like I've made it moment. <laughs> so, yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, so so inside the ropes and I'm hanging with McLean and Ledbetter and Michelle Wee and Lexi Thompson. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is as good as it gets. So That's I've been awesome. very, very in my career to, to have some great experiences. And, um, you know, I, I owe a lot, um, to my players to to have been affording me the opportunity to experience those that's awesome those are great moments and it's going to be top to I don't even I don't know if you'll ever top those those moments there so that those are amazing that you experience those and I mean congratulations man that's that's great I, that's amazing um, next question what's your relationship like with Cobra Puma Golf I know you're kind of on staff with them and stuff can I talk about how that process started and what that connection's like with them yeah, they've just been an incredible um, support for me. Um, I've been with Puma for about three years now. They've been providing um, all my clothes and shoes, which are just so lucky that they they do that. I absolutely love all the stuff that they've got. So um, that was been amazing. And then it was sort of a natural progression. They were always very keen for me to, they call it being a 360 ambassador, which, would, which means moving into the Cobra stuff as well. And um, they just kept badgering me and, and I, I've been with Callaway for 14 years. I was very, very loyal to them because they were just such a great support. But 
um, Cobra um, just put together a package for my students that um, was, was pretty incredible. And it's nice to feel um, nice to feel wanted by Cobra and, and Puma too. So I'm really excited for some of the projects that we've got um, um, moving forward together. Um, I was actually um, kind of a model for one of the actually golf weapons that's coming out. So it was nice for them to um, um, choose me to do that. And then we'll um, do some social media stuff for Cobra too. So it's, um, you know, it's going to be nice to play a little bit of a bigger role with the uh, Cobra Puma family. There you go. And hey, that's another side you can bring to your players. You know, hey, I'm a little modeling on the side, kind of, huh? huh? That's pretty good. <laughs> awesome. And that's that's a great that's a great connection to have. And that's great that they have a little package for your players and everything. That's amazing. And um, heading into the last question here, who has inspired you to be the person slash instructor you are today? Um, I, I never really had a mentor. Like my dad's probably my biggest influence, to be honest. I hit him, him and my mom are just amazing people. And, um, you know, my, my only heroes, so to speak, um, you know, my dad was always a very hard worker and always loved his job. And, you know, always said, you know, you want to do something that you love every day and it'll never feel like a job. And, um, if you love it, you'll want to do it. And if you do it well, you can make some money. And, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do right now. And it's all, everything is so good about my job in that, um, you know, I, I just love doing it. Like, it's just not a job for me. The players that I'm able to be around, the places I'm able to go to and experiences I'm able to have, like, it's just, just been an incredible, um, incredible journey for me so far. And I'm eager for it to continue. Um, in terms of the coaches, like um, Sean Foley's been really good to me out on tour. Um, I obviously deep dived with a lot of um, David Ledbetter's stuff. Yeah. Um, not to be around Jim Flick and Rick Smith. Um, they've been big parts of my career. Um, but um, yeah, no one, no one like really close to. I've just um, had some really great relationships and some people who have, who have been a bit, big impact on my, uh, on my coaching career for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're able to build connections with coaches, swing coaches like that. And um, that's amazing. And once again, I'm so glad I was able to get you on the podcast, chat with you for a little bit. Um, for the listeners out there, if they want to possibly book a lesson with Chris Mason or anything, kind of what's the best way to contact you on your website, Instagram, maybe, or. Yeah, um, Instagram is probably the best at Chris Mason Golf. Um, I've just got a new app that's come out, Chris Mason Golf, which is on the App Store, um, where you can find all my um, information and videos and practice plans and stuff like that. So um, I've been working hard on that over COVID and really proud of that product. So um, yeah, but um, they can see all my um, swing videos and all my student success on, on my Instagram. Um, that's been a really good vehicle for me. Um, um for my career so too awesome sweet so listeners check it out check him out he, he's he got you gotta look at his videos man he's he, i mean the players that he's working with not only that but uh he's just an amazing guy you got to hear him talk for a little bit here and uh once again chris thank you so much for coming on i know it's been probably real busy with you and the players and everything but uh thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this and wish you nothing but the best in the future and we'll stay in contact great thanks so much for having me on Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Scrambling with Dylan Otto. Just want to let you guys know I create an Instagram for the podcast called Scrambling Podcast. 
you can head over there, follow for updates on the episodes, as well as material that I'll be talking about in the episodes, like videos or photos. So you can check them out there and get a little more insight on the episodes. Thanks again for listening and have a good one.